0: Boy, you just never get tired of that music, do you? It's just so... Everybody, welcome to Grace Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore, presented by Bike911.com. You got some legal stuff you need some advice on? You got a contract coming up? You've been in an accident, say, in California, and you need somebody who speaks motorcycle? Alex Asante is your guy. Bike911.com. I'm Greg White, and joining me is Jason Pridmore from his home in California with a good microphone and good internet. JP, you finally settling back home or what? You've just been out about golfing and caddying and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. How's life this
1: week? It is so good to be home, sitting in my own house, looking at your face. Bing, bang, bing. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that music. So... This will be a good one for you. I'm just going to call him out because I know he listens. But Steve English says that there is, without question, that music nope. that we start with. Nope, I don't want to hear it. Don't, he don't say swears. It. Do not say it out loud. Why? Because I don't want this in my head forever. He he absolutely swears that it's porn music. Oh my God. <clears throat> now I don't want to know how he knows that. I don't want to know, but that's the claim. I'm just saying. I Hey, don't feel bad for him that I said that cuz he's on he's in Spain right now golfing at some amazing golf course with all the boys before the mm-hmm. World Last World Superbike round this weekend in Jerez. So he's 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 in a good place right now. So he can't be that mad at us even if he hears this. But that's what his claim is. I wonder what Era you know oh, what God. let's just not talk about that yeah
0: right? why are we what you're a beaut i'm just saying you know like when you and i were growing up it was always walka wacka wow wow walka, I, walka, I don't wow, know wow. was it yeah i had friends that used to there were connoisseurs you had friends that yeah, not used me to, they used that to is, tell you what the music was like oh uh, that had gigabytes worth of downloaded stuff
1: oh so they're downloading porn music uh-huh. they're doing it for the music I think it's rights-free at that point. Once it hits
0: porn, is it rights-free? Mm-hmm. I don't see anybody on YouTube getting strikes because someone like stole a clip of porn music and decided to lay it into their video, but what yeah. do I know? What What do we
1: know? This, this podcast should, is going a weird direction. Yeah, we should and probably apologize. motorcycle racing. Apologize for taking it there, folks.
0: Yeah, and for all those you parents who listen with your kids, we really
1: apologize. Yeah, but yes, so, it's great to be home. I'm home now for... Uh, I think I'm going to go to Button Willow with Let's Ride Track Days on the 6th of November and go ride with your boy, Moshe, because he's got to get quicker in case there's a revival of Battle of the Olds. Yeah? Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Oh. yeah.
1: So, all right. so I'm, I'm going to go out there with him, and then we got Chuck Walla firing up, man. So I'm excited about all of it. It's uh, November's going to be a busy month. And Greg, people already have Christmas lights up. Christmas lights up in my neighborhood. Really? What is going on? I don't know. I mean, I across the street from me...
0: These people have this coolest. It's probably ten feet high, inflatable ghost thing. Mm-hmm. It is so cool. And uh, but beyond that, I haven't really paid much attention no. because I generally don't cruise my neighborhood around at night. But I know, dude. For me, this is like November is going to get gnarly. So I leave on Friday to go to Chile, and I'll be down in Chile. Yeah, they get like these little thumbs up things. Is that what you're looking at? Yeah.
1: What's happening again?
0: I don't. I, I don't know. It's the weirdest. Wow.
1: All right, so Greg and I, we're looking at each other right now, and there's only two of us on this thing, right? Like we can just, we just, and on Greg's side of things, it's almost like someone's messing with him because I can see that there's only two of us in here. But Greg gets these thumbs up bubbles that show up on his screen. Like people are giving him the thumbs up. You know what it is? I have this,
0: I have the newest, you know what I just remembered? I have the latest uh operating system for mac okay whatever it's called okay and i have a camera icon now that's in the upper right hand corner and if i noticed that i just clicked on it and it has three options for the facetime camera portrait studio light and reactions Mm -hmm. i think you're on reactions yeah because it was highlighted so i just unclicked it cuz it was yeah, yeah. freaking me out. I'm like, is somebody hacked in? But now I'm just kind of connecting the two. Wait a second, this only really started after I downloaded the latest ah, operating okay. system, which yeah. is called Sonoma. Got it. Sonoma. Oh, Sonoma. There's a racetrack we're not going
1: back I to. Oh, wouldn't it be great though? I mean, like wouldn't it be great if they could fix that place and go mm-hmm. back? I mean, it yeah. I it for me, I always love that place. So Yeah, you were
0: really good there. You did that place Mid Ohio, like anywhere that there's like up and down corners, off camber crap. You always were really good. There. I, I always and liked it. Yeah, I, yeah. I did.
1: I, I did. And Sonoma, I kind of grew up there a little bit. And um, I, yeah, I, really, I, I
0: I don't it was know. A fun how, place. It was a fun yeah, place. The thing I never really understood in the limited years that I raced is I never really got a good feeling for a bike when it was off camber, mm-hmm. and it always kind of like felt super weird to me. Yeah. Where did we go in the Midwest? Is it uh, Grattan Raceway has like this one section? If you're going clockwise around turn Gratton, three, is that with the left hander with all of the sealer and stuff when I was there? And I just never got that. Was like with maybe it. the most
1: off camber turn I've ever been through. Yeah. That's that's a pretty gnarly corner. Like that was the most off camber. And yeah, but but yeah, I like Sonoma would be, uh, I mean, what a spectator track Sonoma was too. Great spectator track has a lot going for it. It's just too dangerous for bikes and um and the last couple of times I rode there it was so bumpy and you know me I don't mind a bumpy racetrack but it was absurdly bumpy and it's to the point where AFM doesn't even go there in club race anymore. That's how bad it's oh, got. So stinks. So you know the thing is is it's uh that would be one that would be great to have on the calendar um if there was a possibility or a way that they could fix a place but but yeah. Jay, you know
0: how sometimes also it just takes management and when john cardinale passed away a number of years ago mm-hmm. the whole motorcycle thing was kind of over after he passed yeah he was such a good guy and a, a staple there at whatever you want to call it sears point sonoma raceway uh what was us What infineon is infineon, that what it was? Called? yeah yeah Yeah, speaking of that, actually, we could transition right to the news presented by Arai. Because, you know, you ever tried a helmet out in the store and then you rode with it a few hours later to find that it's a little bit too tight. Or maybe you put a little weight on or found out the same thing. Well, if you have an Arai helmet, don't worry about it. Many Arai models come equipped with a removable foam liner. It's a layer on the cheek pads and the temple area. And you can just adjust it by removing these five millimeter layers if you need to. Another great reason, check out oriamericas.com for more information, oriamericas.com. All right, Jay, so transitioning from what we were just talking about, you know, names of raceways, let's talk about some Moto America news because the name of the Moto America Superbike Series is now the Steel Commander Moto America Superbike Series. I'm so happy I get to say that instead of freaking Auto Club, or no, uh, whatever whatever it was. Yeah, we don't need to say it anymore, right? (laughs) Autopartsforless.com. So, technically, it's a three-year deal, but it's going to be Steel Commander Moto America Superbike Series, which we'll try to work in as much as we can. Uh, what are your thoughts about Moto America landing such a big deal? I mean, this is naming the entire series, so I'm sure that it's it's for good value and a good three-year commitment to really you know get people to say Steel Commander Moto America Superbike Series.
1: Well, first off, thanks to them. Thanks to Steel Commander. Um, I know they had dipped their toe in the Stock 1000 Championship this year. And uh, I think with the Silva. So I know that they had started a team or there was some sponsorship that was going on there. Um, and I think for all the partners at Moto America, congrats and kudos to them for finding some a company that's going to make a commitment for three years to the Moto America championship. It's getting so much talk. I was, I was laughing the other day because I was on a flight home from Florida and I was getting text messages from like two or three different people that are all influential in the paddock that were talking about this move, that move where this guy could go, where that could go um, all those kind of things. And I was like, it's been a while since that stuff has happened. And I think the announcement of the Ray Hall deal last year, last week that we talked about and, um, and where that's going to go moving forward. It sounds like that's a two three, you know, they, they've made a big commitment to try to be there for years to come where they're going to be in super sport uh, this next season. And then, and then maybe move up, move forward. And, if they come in with a two rider team i just think that it's encouraging for the championship it's encouraging for the series uh encouraging for sure for the people at Moto america and um and i and i hope it, it i hope that partnership works out great
0: so there's rumors that steel commander wants to step up from the stock thousand class possibly have a superbike team next year which is going to be another opportunity like you're talking about if you don't know by the way steel commander is a Prefabricated steel buildings really high quality stuff if you own some property or you know even jay there's a huge trend in these steel building homes Mm -hmm. so people literally instead of you know making it out of your normal you know sheet rock and wood people are now looking at steel and these steel buildings i have two friends actually that live and built in the last couple years so that's what steel commander is a big business they promote a lot of u.s steel as well um and there's a connection there. I think the owner used to race some years ago. And, you know, the, what we're finding, especially for people that are around our age, is they may have raced as a kid, maybe even in their early 20s. And then they kind of had a family, had a business, and now they're turning their heads back to racing, seeing success of Moto America. And they're saying to themselves, look, I've established this business, it's money. And if you go to Steel Commander's website and you go to the very top of the page, there's like an about us kind of section. And it talks about the team. Um, if you like mouse over it, it says steel commander racing, right? And it, it, it has the press launch in there about being moto America. But one of the things that strikes me is that they're talking about getting into multiple types of racing, eventually getting into NASCAR, getting into, you know, motocross and that situation. So it seems like steel commander is definitely here to stay. If they're going to expand their team, it's amazing if they do that, as well as the fact that they're at least in the series for three years. And I'm not sure if I didn't read the press release fully and I feel bad about it, but I'm not sure if if Stock Thousand is gonna stay the same. You know what I mean? If it's yeah. gonna if it'll be the Steel Commander, Moto America Superbike series and Steel Commander Stock Thousand class. I'm not really sure what's gonna happen with that. But either way, the series, uh, the influx of capital, obviously, uh, from Steel Commander to the series is is welcome. You know, it's it's been a lot of years. Moto America's really tried to bring this thing back from the brink since 2015 and Things are really starting to pay off for all the hard work. And I'm really happy for all the people behind the scenes, especially our four managing partners. Now, speaking of Steel Commander possibly going to motocross, there's one big company that announced today, Jay, that they're going. And we've kind of heard about it. And what spawned it was there's a guy, an Italian guy named Tony Cairoli, who is from Sicily. And he's nine-time off-road world champion. And he's done it all with KTM. And it was announced just a couple of days ago or yesterday or something that there was a split between Cairoli and KTM, which took a lot of people by shock. And so what I knew last night was Ducati's coming motocross racing. And indeed, they announced today, Jay, that they are going motocross racing. They're nine, you know, and it starts off with nine time MX world champ Antonio Cairoli will join Ducati as high performance test rider and new program uh, for the new racing program. There's even thoughts that when they do have a team that they're going to have him as the manager. Well, but I think that they're starting in Italy, right? They're starting in Italy. they are yeah. going to start with the Italian championship, I believe. But, uh, very interesting because here you have traditional, uh, street bike manufacturers, you know, that have kind of eased their way into it. You have triumph, obviously with Ricky Carmichael Crazy, and all that yeah. stuff. And then they make a adventure touring bikes. There you have a staple Ducati's made adventure touring bikes now into, into moto. So you can see the strength of that part of the motorcycle industry that there is money to be made there. But what do you overall do you think about Ducati kind of splitting away from, uh, you know their 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 roots? I mean, when I say their roots, we all know before World War Two, they were making typewriters and stuff. Yeah, like they they were kind of forced into making motors just because of the way the world was. But yeah, and here we are. But I mean, you know, you you can kind of say Ducati is based in street street riding.
1: You could. I mean, that's what they're associated with. And I think that this goes to show that the off-road market, as far as people getting on dirt bikes, people riding in the dirt, it's still the easiest way to get on a bike and learn how to ride, obviously, because you can go anywhere. You, I mean, back in the day when, when we were kids, uh, Greg, you could literally pick up a dirt bike and go ride at that empty lot that nobody knew who the lot belonged to and that kind of thing. Now you just can't do that. But there are still numerous places and areas where you can go ride a dirt bike um, and learn how to ride a dirt bike and, and move forward. And so it's great to see Ducati and Triumph getting involved and um, trying to go challenge the, you know, the big four or five brands out there, including KTM in that. Um, obviously, you, I mean, what is it, Greg? You got six brands now, I think with the four Japanese, then you've got Husky and you've got KTM, which are you know essentially the same. You've got gas gas, that again is kind of all the same stuff, same. but yeah. but you've got you've got brand names out there that people will associate themselves with. So even if your bike is a KTM but it's branded differently, that's the brand that you're loyal to, isn't it? I mean, so I think that um, Ducati and Triumph have picked up on some of that. And if you look at the heavy hitters that they got involved to help them. Expose their brand more. Ricky Carmichael, obviously, with Triumph. Tony Caroli, who's, like you say, nine-time world motocross champion, is Tony Caroli. And as well as, um, you know, motocross the nation's champion, I believe, with Italy. So, I mean, you look at where he's at. And he was with KTM that whole time. I think he was with Yamaha for a while at the beginning of his career, um, if I'm not mistaken. And then, uh, but he's been with KTM. He's won world championships for them. And now he gets kind of poached away by Ducati to go and, and develop this program, an Italian working with an Italian company again. So I will say this about Ducati. They are very much loyalist to their nationalities, which is great. I mean, I think that the fact that they've hired somebody like him to come in and help them, um, is cool. So it's going to be neat. I mean, imagine going to A1, not obviously in 24, but maybe in the next year or two and seeing, you know, Paolo Ciabatti at the, at A1 as, a Ducati representative for their supercross team, you know?
0: I'll tell you what's going to be very interesting to me is how, if Ducati ends up coming here to the States to race, you know, if the program is successful in Italy and it expands, is the business model. Because we know that from a Japanese standpoint, the business model has been if you have a team, you know, if you're a support team, we're going to give you bikes, we're going to give you parts, we're going to give you even potential a little bit of budget, then you got to come up with a secondary sponsor, more of that that type of stuff. KTM, Husqvarna, GasGas, all on board with that. But Ducati is not in the business of paying for stuff as a sponsorship. I mean, in the years you and I have been in racing, there have been very few years where Ducati's actually paid. I mean, even if you look at Warhorse, you know, that's, they're a customer. They they buy those bikes from Ducati. They basically get an engineer that they pay for and all that kind of stuff. They're not a sponsored team. They're a customer of Ducati. The business model is going to be very interesting because there's no way around the U.S. You know, Ducati does that in World Superbike. They do that in MotoGP. But in terms of the business model, the U.S. is the premier place to come for motocross, supercross. There is no secondary, you know, it, it's not a domestic championship. It's a proper world championship. We have people that compete from all over the world here. And you can say, you know, FIM and the motocross donations once every, whatever it is, a couple of years and all that. But the reality is the best racers in the world race supercross and motocross here in the States. And so this is where you have to be. But So yeah. watching Ducati come in and be like, wait, what's the business model like? That's going to be very interesting to see how Corsa handles it. If it's going to be
1: Ducati Corsa that's involved in Paolo Chabatti and and his whole crew. Well, the other thing you got to think about too, is if Ducati was to come out and make a competitive 450, how many of, how many of the Ducati, um, customers, um, I mean, Ducati is like such a huge brand. I mean, people are so loyal to Ducati. How many of those guys are going to go out and make those super motard bikes? I mean, there's going to be Ducati Supermotor bikes everywhere and there'll be some middle-aged guys jumping on the Ducati motocross bike and, and bending themselves up. So they got to be careful with that. (laughs) But, but yeah, what a great, what a, what a, you know, know
0: it's funny, Jay, is what what you often see with adventure touring bikes is that blend, right? You see like maybe someone who rides off-road or, you know, motocross on the weekends and they're getting older and they don't necessarily want to do all the jumps. And they, they go to adventure touring because they can take some of their off-road skills, some of the street riding skills. Then there's people like me who are primarily focused on the road and who are so-so off-road.
1: Right? Yep, yep, yep.
0: Not like I was the first time that I yep. rode off-road. No, you were presence. awful.
1: Yeah, you were dreadful. But anyways, we don't need to go into stories, Greg, because it'll take too long. You were dreadful. What's next?
0: Well, first of all, I was used to reverse shifting, so I didn't yeah, realize yeah. I was in and fifth here we go. I, I tried I to deflect it, people.
1: I tried to deflect it.
0: Anyway, it'll be interesting to see how it all pans itself out. I think the Triumph thing has taken years. Ducati announcing now I, they're forced into it because of the Cairoli situation. So if they're going to start off in the Italian World Championship with a team, you know, it's not the Ducati team, right? They've already partnered with a team over there. It could be three to four years before we ever see them in the States, I think.
1: But I just depend. I think it just depends how quickly they get it together. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, and I think that they'll be successful. They're not going to not be successful. They're going to be fine. And Crowley will be testing that bike and all those kind of things. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be a good deal. Yeah.
0: Anyway, so that's pretty much it in terms of the news presented by Rye. I didn't see anything new this morning, but I know you woke up and checked the check the trades. Anything that stands out that I'm Yeah,
1: in? no, not really. There was nothing really big this morning. I mean, I think after Australia, you know, everyone's uh, drying out, it looked like, after a, <laughs> a crazy weekend. And we'll talk about Phillip Island um, as the teams, I believe, head to, are they headed to Turkey or Malaysia? I they're can't headed to the Bury Ram. Yeah, Turkey. So that's where I think they're headed. And, um, you know, we, we watched Phillip Island on the weekend. It was funny. I was in Florida, so stuff was coming on. A little later there than it would here (laughs) so um which was the only shame because i tried to stay up and watch but i'd get up in the morning and i'd watch what was going on it was it was such a bummer to see the weather it looked like they had three different seasons there like they say they have at phillip island friday looked gorgeous and beautiful saturday looked blustery and a little chillier and then by sunday it was blowing 50 and raining sideways so we didn't get the advantage of getting to see a sprint race but we did get to see a full-length race and what a race it was it um but hold on! Before you get on to that, yeah,
0: they made the announcement because of the weather forecast Correct. on Friday that they their Friday that they were going to switch it around. Do you think right. it was the right move? Do you think that it was?
1: Well, yeah. Looking back now, it was right. I mean, they did the right thing. I think race direction did a really good job. I, I think I do uh, think so as well. I understand I mean,
0: it's suffering for the fans, but
1: especially those that can only attend on Sunday. But I think they had to do it. Well, the big thing that you have to think about in the terms of the championship are there's a good chance that Jorge Martin would have won the sprint race. And so the deficit would have gotten smaller, even by small gains, because of the way they avoid uh, the way they uh, put the points out in sprint. So in a way, um, they, you know, look, the they, race direction is the only thing they could do. They did the right thing. Um, but for Jorge Martin, there's a good chance he probably would have won that race. and. Um, So for the points, it definitely shuffled the points in a different way, didn't it, Greg, as far as how that is going to get broken up? Um, So, yeah. So once the announcement was made that they were going to run the full-length race on Saturday, I saw the interviews with the riders prior to the race. They all agreed, hey, this is probably the best thing it's going to make for a busy morning because they had to do warm-up, Q1, Q2, then a race. But um, they do that every Saturday anyway. It's just they don't do a full-length. They do a sprint race. So I look at it and go, well, World Superbike does that every weekend. You know, they're like, every every weekend, those guys have a full-length race Saturday afternoon after they've done warm-up Q1, Q2. So, um, you know, that was not a big deal. I mean, but let me ask you this before we get into it. Does Phillip Island ever just, does it, other than the weather on Sunday, does it ever disappoint as far as the racing goes?
0: No. Definitely. Never.
1: It's just, it's always got, it's always got some sort of intrigue to it, and I think it's like one of those things where um, it, the track just has no flaws. It's just so good. And on the race on Saturday when uh, when I woke up, I woke up Saturday morning and um, to watch it without having kind of any idea what was going on and uh, I got I got a text from overseas saying, "Have you watched GP yet?" Nope, haven't watched it. So um, when that, when I get tech, even when I get text messages about it, I'm always like, okay, something's got to have happened. You know what I mean? So I thought it was going to be a flag to flag. Um, and let's just talk about it real quick with Jorge Martin making this tire choice that he made to go with the soft. It always blows me away that people sit there and go, oh, well, it was obviously the wrong tire choice. And he obviously, this was a bad decision. And this the guy was eight turns away from being a genius, Greg.
0: Yes, that's exactly right. That's the, how I that's looked at it. That's the best way to put it. Right. And so what happened is, Jay, I guarantee you, you've been through this as a racer. Guarantee you that his crew sat down, had a look at average lap times, had a look at duration, had a look at da-da-da-da-da, and they said, we think we can make it. Yeah. We, we think we can make it. And boy, oh boy, man, with two laps to go, you were just like, oh,
1: I, I, don't, I don't know. I just don't know. With two to go, I was still thinking, oh, his gap's maybe big enough. He should be able to bridge it. And then- The fall off of that tire, uh, I knew when he came onto the front straightaway, coming to the last lap, I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, because Mm -hmm. there are places where you need that tire uh, pretty bad, Um, and basically, as you exit turn two at Phillip Island on your run to Stoner, you need some edge grip to get off there. Stoner, you need it a lot once you tip the bike in, and once the bike is settled and you start to roll the gas on, you need it there. Uh, and you could tell that the bike was just not driving forward anymore. Couldn't you? I mean, if you watch how Bender passes him coming onto the front straightaway at the end of that race, after he's been passed by Zarko and Bagnai and Disney Antonio, after he's had those things go through, you could tell Greg that that tire was absolutely shot, but I just think it's um I think it's an interesting thing. Let me ask you this. How many other teams that, I mean, riders even that said, Oh, that was obviously the wrong choice. Would have loved to have had the race that Jorge Martin had, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and
0: here's the thing. If you're 18 down on Peco and -hmm. you're running out of races, Mm -hmm. if you just go, well, okay, we don't, we're not going to take any risk here. We're going to do the safe thing, but you're behind. Yeah. I think that's the, that's
1: a bigger mistake than them trying to take the risk that they took. I agree. I agree. So, what it ultimately turned into, Greg, was just the craziest of cool podiums. Really, when you think about it, like I don't know about you, um, but I always pull for guys that a guy like Zarco, guys won two Moto Two World Championships. He's been bounced around a little bit um, in in Moto GP, and here is a guy that that played this cards perfectly in this game, and he ends up winning his first uh, Grand Prix ever at such an iconic track and such a crazy race. I laughed when the announcer said, "Well, there's no way Zarco is going to go by Martine." And I'm thinking, well, "Oh my I'm, god!" I'm like, dude. "Why? Why wouldn't he? He's first yeah. off, he's out of there at the end of the year. He's going to go ride for Honda. And if you think for a second that, if you think for a second that that guy has a MotoGP win potential in front of him, and he's not going to take advantage of it so that he can at least say that he won a race, nuts. So I, I you know, especially I had, knowing
0: you're going to a Honda."
1: I mean, he might not ever win again, you, you know, exactly. you, 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 you hope that that isn't the case, but the truth of the matter is, is that is the truth of the case. Um, so with all that said, it's, it's for Zarco, what an incredible win for Bagnaia. It's, it was pretty funny watching him kind of going like that was a slinky effect. Wasn't it Greg in the middle of that race, he'd fall back and he'd catch up and he'd fall back and he'd catch up. And it was almost like, it was almost like there for a while, he needed a guy in front of him to help pull him forward, you know? And, and he, I did kind of, I did kind of
0: mention it last week though. Right. Like I said that they really struggle on Friday. They've been having this pattern of struggling on Friday and he didn't make it to Q2 again. Yeah. The thing about this, the thing that I didn't think about, and I should have thought about it, but I didn't know he wasn't going to make Q1 because I moved him in fantasy silver, which ends up being, it was a really big mistake that I did that. But, um, was the fact that if you looked at the forecast, and you knew the tire choices that you had available yeah i would have taken the risk in q1 to go with two soft tires and that paid off for him and got him onto the front row of the grid yeah which helped which helped him overall where normally if you run a normal dry weekend if you go to q1 and you burn that soft tire in your allotment that you really don't have another one right just to get on just to get yourself into q2 that, that's the rough bit about it was I was like, oh, yeah, duh. You could burn an extra tire or two in terms of or, you know, selection because it doesn't make a difference. You know you're going to go rain tire. Right. Like on Sunday. Right, So right, right. Anyway, the the Petco thing, yeah, in the race, I thought, oh, he's out. Oh, wait, no, he's back in. No, wait, he's out of it. No, he's back into it. Yeah.
1: And it was uh, wild. It was like a crazy effect at the front of that mm-hmm. race. And uh, Sarko so beats Bagnaya and then who could ever – like be disappointed with the guy finishing in third and Digi Antonio, all the things that he has probably gone through in the last two, three months with all the rumors of Marquez kind of kicking him out of his seat. Um, Look, when I look back at Digi Antonio and his brief time here in MotoGP for the last two years with Grassini, there was talks last year about him basically quitting. He was kind of tired of it. I saw a couple reports on it. Don't even know if those are true. I mean, I can only believe um I only believe half of what I read and, you know, that kind of thing. So, but if that is the case, the kids made a nice little comeback and he has found a way to uh, put himself in the shop window for sure for next year. And why wouldn't, I mean, Greg, honestly, if you see a kid ride the way he rode and the way he's ridden lately and people will be like, well, yeah, now he doesn't have any pressure on him because he's not going to be there, blah, blah, blah. I mean, if you're Honda, maybe you take a chance on a young kid to come in and help with development of a bike for a year. You know what what I mean? Wheels already in motion. Jay, his is manager
0: it? is flying to Japan. Oh, to okay, I didn't know Sunday. that. Flying to Buriram to meet with HRC is what is what uh, what the latest are saying as of yesterday. So yeah, okay. I agree with I agree with you. Look, I just think for D G Antonio, you we, you have been talking about this for years. That MotoGP seems so quick to react in the moment. You know, they like the whole uh, Danilo Petrucci thing, right? Like he got a season, and then it was like one. It was covid we didn't even race a race and he was already out he didn't even get a crack correct. at his second year correct DJ antonio seemed to have it just taken a longer time to adapt to a MotoGP gp bike than some of the other riders
1: yeah well i he- think the biggest thing too don't you think greg that one of the the hardest lessons in this whole thing that you look at not even a lesson but just the reality what if DJ antonio was beating alex marquez all this time mm. like how much different would that look as far as putting Mark and Alex together at that point? Because you'd be like, well, wait a minute, we're going to be getting rid of a kid that's beating Alex Marquez and putting Mark on his bike. And you think, well, what, where could that have, how could that have changed, you know, the next year or two, because Alex Marquez came into the Grassini team this year and beat De Gianni Antonio from the start. And Digi has been there from since last year. So when so. you start to think about those kind of things, you look at it and you think, well, at, oh, I time? think for Deji Antonio, it's just taken sure. him too long to get up to pace with Marquez, um, and so now he's got Mark Marquez coming in, and Deji Antonio's out. It'll be super weird and interesting to me if those two swip pl- uh, swap places. Yeah, so, it's gonna be we'll so see.
0: weird, and and it also shows you how quickly things change, right? Yeah, like it's meaning like you know. When it was announced that DG Antonio's out mm-hmm. just a couple of weeks ago, everybody yeah. was like, yeah, all right. Now yeah. all of a sudden it's like a podium, and you're like, wait a second. because But it hasn't <clears throat> just been a podium for him. He gets his career first, best finish fourth.
1: And by less ago. than half a second, by the and, way, right? Yeah,
0: and then solidly puts the thing on a podium and makes a nice pass to get on there and all that kind of stuff. Let's go back to Zarco real quick. Yeah. His pass on his teammate. Good yep. pass,
1: great pass, great so you pass. You had to do it. You had, had to yeah, do. You I mean, had
0: to do it because the thing is, is no matter what people want to say, like how's Zarko gonna pass? How Zarko gonna pass his teammate, his teammates in the championship? Dude, that guy was going so slow at that point,
1: so slow. He had no choice because he the guys... Off, he couldn't get off a stoner very well. So those guys closed in with but that's a lot what of I'm pace. Saying, didn't like, like Zarko was that gonna, gonna stay
0: behind him and not yeah. give the points away for the championship. Yeah. The three guys behind him would have passed him. Agreed. And I think that
1: it it would have opened him up. To be fair, it would have opened things up to a lot sketchier situations. Have you ever been the best way you could put it, Greg, is if you've ever got on the freeway behind somebody that's going slow and they're looking in their mirrors and they can out accelerate a truck that's coming in, in their lane, the truck that maybe can't move over to the fast lane and the person in front of you puts their brakes on. Well, Uh... the problem is, is the two or three or four behind that guy that are behind you, they can't see the guy slowing down. So it, it was definitely one of those those reactions. And the thing that you got to look at, too, is where he passed him going into Miller Corner and then the run to Siberia, the next left, that was really what won Zarco the race. I don't think anybody had anything for him anyways, and mm-hmm. I don't think Bagnaya was willing to take the chance to try to do something with Zarco in the last couple corners um, because at that stage, right now, it's it's Bagnaya versus Martín. All he cares about is beating Martín. And the way Martín came back, backwards he knew that martin wasn't going to have anything for him meaning bagnaya so it was really zarko's race to lose after the, he got past martin and went into the into siberia and then into hayshed and all that because at that stage zarko had to just keep his nose clean um and i saw this morning where Digi antonio said and i thought it was really good he thought to himself he if it wasn't Martine and bagnaya in front of him in the situation when zarko went through Dejean Antonio said he would have tried to have been more aggressive, but he wanted to be respectful to those guys, you know, racing in the championship, which I thought was, was pretty cool. Um, his move on Martine into the hay shed, by the way, is a big one going into that, that fast, right. So, yes. but you can't deny him. And, and look again, going back to Zarco, what a win, what a way to do it. You got to see the backflip again. Did you <laughs> see the picture of him? I think it was on crash or, I can't remember if it was on crash or bikes, but He's doing a backflip off his motorcycle, his bike, yeah, with his, in front yeah, of his, with his team around him, lane. and he's yeah. like looking at the camera, smiling yeah. upside down. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty it cool. It's cool. It's yeah. cool.
0: Because, because you know, maybe he practices that at home, but it had been a long time, and I would have been like, okay, here we yeah. go. Yeah, Binder no, ends too. up fourth. He does which was yeah. a good result. He got yeah. by Martin Bedzeki, who was also an up and down weekend. He ends up sixth in front of Jack Miller, who a lot of people were talking, especially after the first free practice, where. The KTMs went one and two that he might win. Can I ask you Mark a question Hayes.
1: about that real quick? Yeah. Cause like the word on the street about Jack is just he's just the best guy. So I love that and I'm happy to see him finishing. But do you kind of notice that he hasn't been crashing? Do you think he got to talk to about it? I mean, do you think that's even possible in this day and age to sit a writer down and go, listen? You know, maybe they've come to him and said, Look, your ride is not in jeopardy. You know, because all along he has stayed pretty true to like I've got a contract for next year. I'm not going to be a test rider with the Acosta stuff. He's like mm-hmm. I'm. I'm going to be here. Do you think that that KTM would sit a rider down and say, "Listen, your job is under no stress. You're here next year with us, no matter what." You know, maybe he felt like he needed to try harder and was you know because he crashed in so many races and now at least he's getting results. Yeah, he's 9.2 back. He's not where he wants to be. He's a race winner. But on the flip side of it, do you think that they could have said something to him along those lines? They certainly could have. Yeah. I mean, I'm just curious. Not? I mean, yeah.
0: it's. I've never seen a team that just says, hey, congratulations. Thanks for signing with us. Here's your money. And crash as much as you'd like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, Jack, to me, is almost like trying to find his feet again just a little bit. Like, I, as a writer, I know how important it is to have confidence and to be able to go like, okay, here's the situation. I've had some ups and downs. I just need to just... I need to put a band-aid on this for a little bit. And he finished seventh. It's not like he finished horrendous. He had Alation, Alex Marquez right behind him in eighth, ninth. Bastianini ended up 10th. Um, and so you sit there and you kind of go like, like for Miller, it's kind of where that, that's where he belongs unless he's moving forward and, and finishing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: I understand what you're
1: saying. So, so yeah, you got Bastianini 10th. Vinales is just an absolute mystery to me. Still 11th. Marini, Oliveira uh, and, and Mark Marquez, who was up front at the beginning of this and slips all the way back to 15th. Two non-finishers were, uh, Fernandez and Mir. Mir had a little help. It looked like, um, yeah. overall, like it was a shame not to see the sprint race. Um, but I thought that this grand Prix for me had a lot of intrigue. Uh, it was a lot of fun watching. And, um, and I just, it's, I think it's just the world that we live in to, to go back to what we started this conversation with Greg is, is, it blew me away how many people were had come out to condemn Jorge Martín. And I'm like, the guy was eight corners away. It wasn't like it happened five laps from the end and he went from first to 12th. It's like he was eight corners away. I, I mean, at
0: the if you look at it and you go, he lost the championship because of Phillip Island. Okay. You, Zero, you can make, no, yeah, you can make that debate. Yeah. I think that you have to roll the dice. You know, I mean, what are the what are the chances that a satellite team, a private team that's renting bikes from whatever the situation is? I mean, I know that Jorge's on a full factory bike, but but just like think about that team is is their job to win the championship or is their job to get Ducati manufacturer points and to get race wins and to promote their sponsor. And I think in a way, I'm not saying you shouldn't be going after the world championship, but You've got to take a risk to go get Pecco because Be- Pecco with 18 points and only a couple races left is kind of sitting in a position where he could he could give away second place to his win, but Martin had to win to dent the championship and you got to roll the dice on that particular case. If you go out there on everything that everybody else is on, then you're just doing what everybody else is doing. And they knew what was coming. The commentators knew what was
1: coming. It just – he just was so close to making it happen. Yeah, but the commentators are always talking about tires from the first – from the warm-up lap. That's all they talk yeah, about. Dude. So I couldn't really – I can't get on board with that that because that's their only narrative. Those guys haven't raced and been in that position in their lives. So they just go based off of what they, they – they talk about that stuff all the time. So yeah. in this case, it wasn't hard to see that he wasn't getting away. Once he got out to that two-second lead, he was just trying to manage – and he did a great job of it all the way to the end. So, um, you know, speaking, and the, and, speaking and of the that, other thing is right, it twenty. Right. Sorry, Greg, is it twenty seven points? Is that what it is now? Right, right now the championship league? Yeah, because I know this is uh, going to sound crazy. I still think Martín's going to win the championship. I, I as great as Bagnaya is, I see this race coming down to the finale at Valencia. I honestly do, and there'll be a lot more guys involved in the championship when you go to a tight and twisty track like Valencia. Now, if Bagnia can pull up, pull out um, a win, um, I know this week. I said Turkey earlier. I meant Thailand, so I, I meant I, I meant to say Thailand. But so, um, you know, they're going to go to this next track, which is a, it's it's going to be a good track for Ducati again. A lot of fast, a lot of accelerating out of slow corners, um, or a couple of those at least. And I think that that's going to be a good track for Ducati. Um, but then they go to where they. where else they go to? They go to Sepang, I believe, um, and they go to Doha, I believe. So Sepang,
0: Doha, Valencia—that's how it yeah. is. Yeah,
1: and they do that. They do Sepang, Doha, and Valencia back to back to back. Yep. So um, busy times for MotoGP. They're going to be looking for this week off after they after they race in Thailand. They're going to be looking for that week off, aren't they? And um, mm-hmm. twenty-seven points isn't hard right now because you have a lot of guys. A lot of guys that are running up front. And you've got guys that have already signed with other teams and manufacturers that are not going to care about those two guys' championship, I feel. Totally agree. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, Let's go to the other race,
0: the full race. The only other full race we had on the weekend was Moto3. Yeah. And that was Dennis Anju ends up winning by four-tenths of a second over Sasaki kelso and that was in the rain by the way right it was a full wet race yeah yeah kelso ends up third four and a half seconds behind australian australian yeah, yeah which was great i mean there were there was actually late in that race you really thought that kelso had a chance to win the thing correct uh vire fernandez end up fourth and fifth uh rossi in sixth Uh Forisato in seventh masia in eighth oh it's a rain race, Jay. It wasn't, uh, you know, your typical, you know, situation. There were a lot of riders. One, two, three, four, mm-hmm. eight, nine riders that dnf who crashed out of this race. Yeah, Munoz and Morera and Alonso and there were quite a few people that crashed out. However, what was so interesting to me, you talked about the commentators before. I don't know, middle of the race, Dennis Anjou has two like rear end big slides, and they big were like, slides. "It's over." It's over for him. Yeah. He's got the warnings. And yeah. I'm just like, what are you guys talking about? I still get it. I know. It's, what are you is talking about? Like the dude, it's rain. Everybody, r- the best way that I've described rain racing to people who don't know, like people have seen road, motorcycle road racing in the rain and have said to me like, oh my God, you guys ride in the rain. I'm like, yeah, we have these deep groove tires and they're super soft and everything, but it's more like moto. It's like, uh, it's almost every corner. You know, if if it's not a steady, light rain, which creates the same conditions, it's it's different. And that's why you see lap times get a little bit quicker and a little bit. If if it stays the same, they go quicker and quicker because the riders are figuring out corner to corner to corner. And so for a guy like Anju, he was just like, all right, I can't go as hard there, but I'm going to figure it out in a different way. And it's like
1: it was impressive. It was impressive how far back he fell and the moments that he had. And they were both in right hand corners. And to your point. You know, the the craziest part is, is that, and anybody knows this, that's done track days, right? I mean, you think about a lot of track day riders that go to their local track to ride. Every session out, they're trying to find their limit of what grip or traction is. Every lap that they go around a racetrack in the dry with grip, um, there's a number of riders that I've worked with that you'll get in behind and you're riding with them and they come in and go, oh my gosh, my bike's all over the place. And you show them the video and it's like, no. Your bike's not all over the place. You're going through different, the faster you go, you go through different strokes of the suspension and different, you're going to get different feels of what the bike is actually doing. But in the wet, Greg, to your point is it's a continuous test lap after lap, isn't it? I mean, it really is. It's And when you're testing for grip and it's getting wet and boy, the, the difference between when you ride in the rain and everything feels good to where it, can go really bad really quickly is so minimal compared to what it is in the dry. So, I mean, you crack the throttle on half of a 10th earlier in a corner, that could be the difference between you making it out of the corner or not making it out of the corner in the wet. Whereas in the dry, it usually, it won't be as uh, detrimental, right? Like you ride in the
0: dry on a track. That's very physically demanding. And, from the times I've been on Phillip Island, I think it is. It's not a place you can rest that much. The front straightaway, you can take a breath, but even mm-hmm. still, you're coming onto that thing, you get it controlled, and it's like one one thousand, two, one thousand, three one thousand, and now you know that this wicked fast turn one is coming up. And
1: every now and then you'll see like a bird or something. But anyway, for the don't most don't you always part, feel though, like when you come out of that last corner, to your point that like you only can really rest to you just go over the crest, because you know yes. like and and that happens so quickly because when I got to ride there, I was the same way. I'm like, oh, I got a big, long straightaway. But the anticipation of what's at the end of the straightaway is so great. And not only that, like if you've not ridden Phillip Island, I can hardly wait to go back there and ride there again someday, hopefully with some friends. But wish. when I come out of the last corner and you get ready to go into the Melbourne Bridge there, that crosses the front straightaway. The view is so spectacular. Out looking, you can see the ocean. You can see so much stuff that you really don't have that much time to really, really really rest because to Mm -hmm. your point once you get to turn one it's physical racetrack
0: physical racetrack so in the dry motorcycle road racing tends to be more physical in the wet for me anyway and i'm sure a lot of other people it's way more mental the physicality of it is so much so much less but it's it's the paying attention to everything at once because and it's not just like paying attention on the brakes it's the understanding that my brain, if you're not paying attention, your brain goes into dry mode, right? You're like, oh, I can go through this corner a lot faster. And those are the things that cause those extra little bit of throttle, that extra you know, one-tenth of a second through the corner and all of a sudden you're down type thing. And so when you're leading, and we saw leaders crash out of this rain race because it got so treacherous in a way that it's like, that's the part of it. I, I remember racing in the rain, doing well and getting off the bike and just mentally being like, what just happened? Yeah. yeah. My brain is complete and
1: utter mush. Mental stress is just so it's, much higher in the rain. Yeah. It, Cause you got All you're thinking about is grip. grip and on the flip on, and on the greatest thing about what you just said is that, is that, and I, you know me, I don't go this route very often, but the last world endurance race I ever did was at Lamar and it absolutely bucketed down at two o'clock in the morning, like <laughs> one, two o'clock Godzilla. in the morning. And it was to this day to right now, I still get such a buzz thinking about the hour and 40 minutes I was out there because I had to pit with slicks. I was 30 minutes into a session. I had to, I had to pit with slicks on, go, you know, and they fill the fuel tank back up. You go out and rains. and and it was literally one of, they couldn't have been a better race for me to kind of finish my world endurance, um, you know, career or whatever you want to call it that I did over there. Um, because the mental side of that riding at night in pouring rain was so much fun. <laughs> and, and it made me so happy. Like now thinking back to that. And, um, it was just, uh, it, and I, look, if you win a race or a grand prix in the rain, um, the way that it was, the way that it was for Anchu. Anchu always looks like he's on edge to me always. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ends up passing Sasaki with, with, with what? Three turns, four turns to go. He yeah, passed him so down into the, close. and Sasaki leaves the door open. Anchi doesn't need a second invitation. Sasaki loses another race uh, where he finishes second, which is a shame. I think one of the other rides that you got to look at in this particular case is that of Masia, who's trying to win the championship. Um, mm-hmm. This race puts Sasaki right back in it after a frustrating round. Uh, uh, I think a round or two before. They all blend together for me now, but Sasaki <laughs> had some issues around a two before. Um, and Halgado struggled here too. But both Halgado and Masia, to their credit, Kept their bikes upright. They know how important it is to keep a bike upright and get something out of the weekend. Um, do you have the points pulled up on that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like, had Dennis
0: had Dennis Anju finished behind Sasaki, Sasaki would be sitting on the lead by two, but instead he or by one, he's back by four. So it's two seventeen Masia to two thirteen Sasaki. Helgado is at one ninety-five,
1: Alonzo's at one eighty with Dennis Anjou at one eighty. And the other thing that cracked me up again and I and I'm not I hate to sound look we're our commentators me and Greg we commentate and and I hate like yeah bashing. we make mistakes all the time Honestly, not but these that, guys but. are like condemning Sasaki for finishing second in a Grand Prix that was just brutal and saying well with that he's lost the championship points lead like listen they're not hanging out on the board saying hey you're leading the championship right now so don't get past and whatever I mean they were it, it was it was wild to me that they were talking about Sasaki blowing finishing winning the race, like blowing it, um, instead of instead of Anshu actually taking it away, Sasaki did the right thing. I mean, look, he ended up second. He gained a ton of points on those guys, and he's put himself back in the shop window to win the championship. Like, it's it's it was really weird to me hearing that. Because I, I look at it like, if you and I are calling a race at that stage, if there's a guy that's running third or fourth in the points that's fallen back a little bit, He'd be all too happy to finish second if the guys he's got a beat behind him. Well, the and point. I think, the, the point Sasaki two. looks. Sasaki still looked happy. He was really he happy. Looked, he was yeah, so. Exactly.
0: Yeah. The yeah. thing is, if you look at the top seven: Andujar, Sasaki, Kelso, Vire, Fernandez, Rossi, Ferrusato. Those top seven who mm-hmm. had the most to lose by hitting the deck.
1: Sasaki, no question.
0: Right. So you know that. Yeah. Okay. I would love to have this championship points lead, which he's not thinking about on the bike. What he's thinking about on the bike is, dude, I'm here. I put myself in a good position. You know what? If Anju wants it that bad, I'm going to keep this spike upright. I'm going to get the most points I possibly can. I don't think there's anything wrong with that because if Sasaki ends up winning this world championship, this is a race he could turn around and look at and say, you know what?
1: Had I pushed and tried to get those extra five points and hit the deck, I'm, I'm I'd be gone. even further back. And now he's and there and there. It's like what did? You, I, and I, I apologize, Greg, but what did you say he is point wise behind now? Like three points, two points, four, four points, four, four points. points, and he's right there now. He's right. He's right back in it and. This championship is going to go to Valencia by all stretches of the imagination. It's going to go to Valencia. And if you'd have told Sasaki at the start of that race, hey, you're going to finish second, and it won't be one of your title contenders in front of you uh, winning, would you take it? 100%. You (laughs) would have taken it in spades. So, again, really strange. Moto2 was really weird because these guys, they sent them out. um, And when I was watching the race originally – I had kind of already caught wind that that, um, that they didn't get to go full race distance, but I didn't know who won or any of that stuff. Um, really interesting. Acosta crashes on the warm-up lap or the siding lap, siding I believe. Lap. He crashes, um, has to start from the back of the grid. And, I mean, you want to talk about a champion's race. Like, the guy comes from dead last. Everybody's crashed in front of him. He just collects his ninth-place finish and, and gets his half points for that. Arbelino was in a league of his own on this day, Greg. Absolutely flying up at the front. Wins by 15 seconds over Canet, and Fermin Aldegar. Um, Alcoba, Joe Roberts. Great ride from Joe. He ends up fifth. Guevara, Chantra, Ben Snyder, Acosta ninth, Ramirez tenth. Again, if you look at the non-finishers, Binder, um, Gorberg, Baltus, Garcia, Salich, uh, Sam Lowe's fell off, Dixon... Uh, Cassidy, who is, we know him a lot from, um, Moto E Moto E and then Viete. I mean, look, they ultimately said they called the race because of the wind. They said that the wind had gotten so bad that that is essentially why Vietti crashed. And so they were really looking close at it. When you watch the race back, Greg, and you see when they called the race, the funny part to me was, well, the, the telling one to me was when they have the onboard camera from Jake Dixon's bike and they see Lowe's fall over. If you watch that back, and I did, it literally is like the slowest corner on the track. He's tipped in, and the rear of the bike just spins around on him. Like, there was no... So weird. There's no warning. And and I immediately, immediately, before the race was even over, um, because I obviously was watching it hours after it had been done, I immediately text Sam and like, hey, that was the strangest thing ever. And he says, Jason, he goes... I just literally was turning, I wasn't even doing anything, and next thing you know, you know, I'm on the ground. The track obviously was extremely, extremely slippery because I think Phillip Island is known for having grip in the wet, but it just didn't look like it was there. Or by what the TV was showing us, Greg, it, it just it was so I, I wet was so that there was cold. just I think cold was and wet and windy, yeah. right? Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, but they ended up awarding half points, um, which I guess is the best thing that they could have done in that case. And, uh, you know, uh, you you look at guys like Rory Skinner, he got his first, um, his first points in 12th. In fact, both the OnlyFans American Racing Team got 10th and 12th in that race. And, um, yeah. So, I think uh, that was definitely a a bonus for them as far as seeing a team that has struggled to get both riders in the points for years. They did that here. And, you know, good for them. And now we're off to, uh, now we're off to Thailand this weekend, which, I don't know how many hours ahead they are. I got to look it up, but it'll be another one of those weekends where I'll get to watch it probably late night. Um, you know, kind of the night before. So yeah, it'll be, I don't, I don't know. Good. I'm going
0: to be in Chile, which is, yeah, it's one hour ahead of the Eastern time zone. So if it's okay, noon, yeah. it's, it's one o'clock and you know, in the afternoon there, when so are I'm you gonna, leaving for that again? Friday night. And yeah, then I have, an, I have an <laughs> overnight flight. I land early Saturday morning. Okay. Yeah. Like yep. at nine o'clock in the morning. So I'll definitely be able to watch the racing, probably probably on Sunday yes you know, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I won't be up to to like not when I'm working and all that stuff but yeah in the, yeah, in yeah. the moto 2 championship Acosta leads he's got 280 now and a half so he's got a 50 56 point lead over Arbolino, right yeah yeah but Jay but this is the thing about winning a championship if you look at normal scoring and you look at Tony Arbolito winning the race and you look at Pedro Acosta and his problems that he had on the siding lap. He couldn't get the bike started. He had to start from pit lane, all this kind of stuff. And you would think that Acosta had the thing gone full race distance, would have been able to make up some more points on it or whatever. But the fact that you end up, the race gets cut short and the amount of points that he ends up losing to Arbolino is half of what he it was half. have lost. And he got ninth. And he, and
1: he did start great from the back of the grid, if you remember. They, he oh, missed, the, right. Right. He warm-up left, missed right? the warm-up lap, right? warm-up lap from, yeah. And then he said start. So the thing is... It, what's funny, Greg, about, about that, and the only reason I corrected you is, is I wouldn't say that he may not have finished in the same exact spot had he started from pit lane. Starting from pit lane probably would have put him at a lot less risk. Can you imagine what the first two or three laps were like for him? Couldn't see Being, anything. Right? Couldn't see anything. He's right in the middle of that, that, that horrible pack of riders where anything could happen. Um, but he navigated in, his way through it, and that's what champions do. And um, you know, with a 56-point lead, that means he could essentially, if he gets it to 75 uh, after this weekend, um, he would essentially win the championship, I believe, with three rounds to go. And uh, that that's providing that he got it. I, I know he's got to get 19 points on somebody. But really, it looks like where he has the most potential to win this championship will probably be Malaysia in a couple of weeks' time. So for Acosta, it was a, a big deal. What about for you with with the old fantasy stuff? Oh, um, dude. G-Dub, I hate, I hate to say this to you. Mm. I'm whooping your ass now. Just real quick. Well, we?
0: no, because I made a big change. I don't give a shit what you did. I'm telling uh, you I'm whooping your
1: ass. Okay? I had to go backwards because I earned nothing. Okay, so, so what I, you want to hear I something some, crazy, though? Yeah, guy. I had first, second, third, and fourth in that race I went, for just a small a bit. I went up in the rankings? Bit.
0: I went up to 201 from 202? Did you? Hmm. Yeah. From t- I went from t-
1: I went to 201 from 202. Are you really going to consider that a big jump? Uh, no, I'm just, I went up. I'm just hey, saying. Hey, it's an up. I, I, I you went, went up. up. Uh, yeah, I went up. Do you know where I'm at now? Yeah, I can just do a search here. Let's I'm see. 140th. Wow, look at you. Yeah. And at one time in this race, because I have Martine, Bagnaya, Binder, and Antonio. at one time I had first through fourth in this race. And I'm like, okay, who's going to balls this up for me? And um I ended up getting second through fifth. I still have all my turbos that I will be using. I've got four races to go and all my turbos sitting here staring at me. So I I still think I can get in the top hundred. Okay. Tough guy. I'm just saying I was 230 something at one point in this thing and, and, and getting a ton of shit from you. So I spread
0: the love out a little bit on my teams. I traded away two riders And so now my team is, I got rid of Bedzecki, which he was worth like five mil. And I traded out Mir, who was worth a mil. And I ended up getting Bender at 3.1 and Jack Miller at 2.3.
1: And who helped you do that?
0: You did. And so that's why why I I had such a crap weekend. Oh, that's
1: nice. That's nice. Well, I actually traded out. How about this? Before the race, I actually traded out Digi Antonio for Miller because I thought, well, Miller's not a bad value, and I had the KTM team, so I thought it's not going to be a bad. But it didn't take. So when I went in there, I'm like, oh man, it didn't take, and I got Digi Antonio, and thank God I did. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Very, very lucky. Right,
0: so, so Digia is is two point <laughs> one million, and Miller's two point three. I think that if you look at Digia, he's gone eighth fourth and third in the last three races. Yeah, Miller has gone six, seven, seven. So he's pretty solid right there. Yeah. So we're going to have to see how things go, but I got enough budget right now to switch out Miller for DG Antonio. Yeah. If if I trade Miller and, and for some reason, DG Antonio's value goes up after Friday, which I'm not sure if they do that because DG Antonio just went up 300 K.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm, well, right. then they are there. It looks like Thailand's like 14 hours ahead of where I am. So it's, it's going to be, it's actually a good time to, for the fantasy for me. Cause or for uh, being out for us, if you were back here, I know if it's, what is it? So it's going to be 10 hours for you. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you'll still be able to go to bed at night and watch a little bit of something. that's A going little on. bit of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My team is worth a lot. My team is worth 22.6 <sighs> million right now. And I have half a million in the bank still. I'm a hundred K
0: away from being able to afford Zarco because he goes DNF, DNF win. Does Zarco
1: go on a run is the question. Yeah. It's hard to say. He's only 2.5. So yeah. Yeah. So anyways, um mm. going through it. Let's just see real quickly. Who's leading our championship now. We have got Kingfisher still mm-hmm. at the front there and uh, he's still got a turbo left over AMA Someday 91, Moto Ranch 46, GP Wanaabi, um, who we talked about on the podcast before, is there. Sick Forever is fifth with, no, with none left. Now, when you look at the top five, Moto Ranch 46, G-Dub, still has two turbos left. Two. Ooh so yeah motor ranch 46 could be the one to beat right now only 30 points only how 33 points, points on back that? only 33 points back there's yeah. how many
0: races left Four.
1: Four. Four with, with two turbos. turbos two turbos okay kingfisher has got one though so they gotta be able to use those turbos like good also dj 30x isn't that your boy yeah he's got two turbos left in seventh what if yeah. he wins he, he's way too far out, dude. If he wins, actually, I'd be super
0: delighted if he could win because it'd be cool giving him the, the Arai helmet. And, the, and the, he's got no motorcycle right now, as far as I know. So I don't know who he'd give the Q5s to. But yeah. second place gets Q5s, third place gets Q5s. So, but he's still then, got course, a chance. I mean, he's less than what is he, 100 points back. So yeah, I mean, 100 points back. There's a possibility. The like, Turbo's help, man. If you look at AMA Someday 91 with a big jump, Turbo Martin. Which I thought was a good move, just didn't quite work out. But still, Martin alone, 52 points. Bagnaya got 35 because of the turbo. And then AMA Someday 91 has Bedzecki and has a Leish with Ducati and KTM. Red Bull KTM is there. That's a really solid team. But the most value for it is right now is Motor Ranch 46. At- yeah. 24.6 wow, million wow what a team what do they got they got they have martin Bagnaya, yeah. Bedzeki, oh. and Vinales with ducati and mooney vr46 that's that could be it could be the team could be a big a yeah. big launch for them in the dry you know, Vinales is such a weird rider anyways. But when know, you look guys, a little further down, dude, the he was first three or something after that's why I moved him to golden.
1: Yeah. The guy. first, the first guy on the list, one of our favorite names who has all three turbos left is the shit idiots, the shit idiots. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's pretty great. So running in 20th at 2382. So there's still quite a few points back. Um, but, Got three turbos left. My boy Troy Simmons back there in 19th. What a mighty fall he has taken because he was leading for a while. And uh not anymore. So
0: Zaplantis a took a big hit this week. What do
1: I got? 2149.
0: You know who also has a really valuable and really strong team in eighth place is Stefan 1975. Magnaya, wow. Martin, Bender, Vinales, Ducati, and Red Bull KTM, but only one turbo left. So He's yep. right behind my boy uh, Dan Yaza by 0.75 points. So Yeah. Dan's got the edge with two turbos if you can use them, but all eyes right now are on Motor Ranch 46. Yeah. Two turbos. Fourth place. 33. Points, yeah, 33.75 points behind. Oof. Kingfisher, you better be pooping yourself right
1: now. Nervous. I think I think we I think we uh, I think we do a small interview with the winner of our of our fantasy league too. I think it would be fun Just just five minute interview. Like, don't you think we should throw that out there for fun?
0: No, I don't. Really, but I do, it, uh, dude. It's hard enough getting you on this thing on time with a microphone that works. Now you're you gonna think? have some rando,
1: yeah. Oh, now you're just calling our listeners randos? That's not very nice, is it? What a dick move. Richard move. Uh, I don't... Listen. Uh, Richard. Yes, yeah, sorry. Dick for short. <laughs> All right. What do we got? We got World Superbike coming up this weekend. Final race of the year for those guys. Let's um, talk about it. They're going to Perez. I mean, you talk about it. How do you not talk about it without just saying, wow, this is Johnny Ray's last run with Kawasaki. Yeah. After this many years that he's been with them, seven years is it? Eight years? I don't even know. Seven years. Eight? It's got to be eight because he won six championships, and he's maybe nine. I is it eight? I you think I would know? But let's just go with long time. Let's just say that when you start talking about greatest of all time, where's Johnny Rate in your in your system? Uh, it's impossible. It's a stupid question. There's been a million great champions in this in this thing. I look at it and I think to myself, the thing that makes Johnny great for me in this deal is ultimately Johnny Ray and Kawasaki are what have changed the way racing is done today because they thought in the world we live in, we have to make this more fair. So let's penalize somebody for making a great bike. And, you know, Kawasaki had a great bike. Johnny was winning everything. There were no other Kawasaki's that were really running around him at the time. And they didn't care. And so like now Ducati's getting that same little bit of taste of Mm. you guys are winning. Do I think it's fair? No, I think Ducati's done a great job. Did I think Kawasaki needed to get penalized? No, I thought they had done a great job, but when you look back at it and I don't think it gets talked about enough, Kawasaki was the first team that got penalized because they had the best rider and the best bike on the grid.
0: Yep. Agreed.
1: And I mean, Johnny's right there in the top three for me all time. I mean, the fact that he could win
0: on a Honda that wasn't up to snuff and he goes to Kawasaki they developed a the bike around him and he just starts whipping people who's you know, in your top three if you don't mind me asking hmm. I mean I've got to put Carl Fogarty in there for sure mm-hmm. and Collins got to be in there I mean I'd really have to sit down and think about it because Scott Russell was really good Merkel Bayless Bayless is another one Spees I mean you though look he at was it. listen even though Spees was in there one year so you can't really say he was a in one of the greatest world superbike of all time, but, but the, the guy went, he
1: beat, the guys beat. he beat, and he was only in there for one. year well, here? It would have been interesting to see. I know Ben wanted to go to MotoGP, and, and you know, obviously that's where he ended up, and that's where he ended up getting hurt, which is sad. But yeah. you know, it would have been interesting to see what Ben. Ben would have done it could have done if he could have defended and gone back and done all those things. And Ben would have been a world superbike back when Ben was doing it too. And I'm sure he'd be the first to tell us that that
0: the year you were racing. Did you race when he raced? I raced
1: in 08 because I was in world superbike in 08. And he went in 09. Okay. 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 Because I remember being over there and hearing the murmurs about Ben and nobody over here was talking about it. And then Ben was calling me. And saying, Jay, what do you know about the Yamaha? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And Courser was on the Yamaha in 08. Oh, that's right. And, um, and so I was talking to Ben a lot about what I thought I saw with the Yamaha back then. And and that's when you know he was calling. We were Ben and I were talking a lot back then anyways. And he, um, I really felt like the Yamaha was going to be a great bike for him. And he was going to bring Houseworth and he was going to do all that stuff. And I mean, this kid. I mean, what he did is so um, underrated. In uh, in when you look at the time period of World Superbike and how good it was then. I mean, he was racing against Biagi and Abbi, and Cheka? so many. Yeah, check all like the tops, um, all guys you'd look at and go, those guys were legends. I mean, Abbi is ar- ar- arguably the best rider that never won World Superbike Championship. I mean, I would think uh, Noriuki Abbi. No um, question. So when you start to look at it and you think. And I think Obby was on a Ducati then. I think I'd have to go back and look, but I know he wasn't on a Yamaha with Ben, so he had to have been on the Ducati then. Um, so so when you look at it, I think 08 was the year. I th- yeah, Bayless was still on MotoGP, so Obby would have been on that Ducati, and but Ben yeah, ended I mean, up beating everybody, and it's so underrated because he was going to tracks he had never ever seen ever in his one. life. Number one, and he was leading first sessions. Yep,
0: never been to a track. He's on a bike. He was three years on a Suzuki. He goes Dunlop's to, to Pirelli's back then, I believe, right? It was, yeah. Was it still Pirelli's? Yeah,
1: yeah it was Pirelli's, yeah. And the
0: jump back then was so, it was so big. There's just a lot of things. He had to get used to European travel. He, I mean, the, the stability of it all is Tom Houseworth, you know? And I remember when they came to, that year that, that he was racing, 09, and they came to um, Utah, and I sat down and had a chat with Tom. And the biggest thing that he said was, you know, what people don't remember about Tom Houseworth is he was a staple at Yamaha factory racing in the U S when they were racing the R seven for years. And in essence, the R1 was identical to the R7, just with a bigger motor in terms of the chassis, the geometry and everything. And so after the first couple of races, Tom said, I'd had enough with the direction that they were going to, to basically make the bike work. And he said, I went back to m- what I knew about the R7 in my notes, and we basically made it that bike. And that's when Ben really started to take off.
1: And so Didn't I, Ben win the first races of the year at Phillip Island? Uh, We'd man. have to go back and really look, but I mean, it was like- yeah, but it wasn't like he. I don't think he went and, out
0: and led the first session, and you know what I mean. Yeah, it was quick so, and
1: swift though, like what Ben. Did but yeah, and, he
0: he he won like straight away, and it was like, uh oh, this guy's yeah. like here. But then everybody back then was excusing Phillip Island away. Well, it's an American style track; it's left Correct. handers. I do remember some of that, yeah, and all that you know, all that kind of yakety yak. So let's see. So yeah, so Ben wins it, no nine. If I go back, can I go? Yes, oh nine. This is, oh, I love I love good websites. Um, let's see, the first race of the year was Phillip Island, and no, he he, it was Haga, and Spees ended up winning race number two. Two, I remember him winning there.
1: I do yep. remember that. And he won, Haga's on oh. a Ducati, right? Haga, I, he had to be. There was no. Yeah, other Yeah, I'm bike. pretty sure. He, I know like, he rode an Aprilia for a while. But I think that was yeah Yeah, he
0: was on the Xerox Ducati, that's right. That's right. He's on the Xerox yeah. Ducati, yeah. That was the 1098R. Uh new Kirchner, remember him? He was on oh, the Oh uh, gosh, yeah. Max New Kirchner, yeah. Kageyama? Yeah. Uh so Ray, Johnny Ray, Leon Haslam, Regis Laconi, Troy Corser, Sykes, uh Max Biaggi, Checa. Wow.
1: I mean, so there you go. Look at the guys that he beat. He beat world. He Ruben beat Ray. House. I know Ray I mean, was young, but he beats Ray. He beats Piaget. He beats Cheka. All world champions. Sykes, yeah. world champions. So, I mean, what Ben did um, in that year, I, you know, incredible. I, I, who else has done that? I mean, uh, who else has done that? No, I can't think of anybody. So then he goes to Lasalle,
0: Jason, right on the second race of the year. Goes he wins. He goes the double. So the second race he ever races, he does. He does the double.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, look, that that to me is one hell of an incredible, like just what you have mentioned so far is just yeah. it's just pretty insane. So so as far as this goes, I know we got a little off topic, but final race <laughs> of the year for uh, Jerez, there'll be a world championship decided. Obviously, it's almost already all decided. It's going to take some crazy act of unfortunate or misfortune for Batista that you'd never wish on anybody at this stage for sure. Um, Ducati is going to win the manufacturer's championship. Um, in MotoGP, it looks like in Thailand they've already wrapped that up in World Superbike, so it's been incredible last three, four, five years for Ducati when you look at those kind of things. Um, and I think that that the talk is going to be around wow, Johnny's last race with top rack's last race with Yamaha. I think those are actually going to probably be bigger, bigger stories than Batista winning the championship. Will be people are already looking forward, looking ahead to 2024. Our guy Gerloff is coming off a tremendous weekend in France. He's going to be looking to go out um, and do well at his final round or final race of of the, the year. He'll be back with Bonovo next year. I saw some murmurs today about, um, who do you got right now, Greg? You got Baldessari, you got Philip Odal, you got um, Loris Baz, who we both love. They're all looking for rides next year. Baldessari got let go or moved on from the GMT 94 team. So, um where does that all end up bradley ray i heard also is possibly in that mix so you got all these guys i think there's like three rides available on yamahas mm-hmm. and you got four riders trying to find the seats of where they're going to end up or where they're going to be my 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 feel there is i just hope loris gets a good shot gets a good ride on something like that guy a lot so um but there's gonna be a lot of intrigue so we get we get thailand moto gp And we get Jerez World Superbike this weekend. Do yourself a a favor.
0: Go to worldsuperbike.com. And Steve English, right now, when we're recording this, which is Tuesday, midday, uh, Steve English has a a nice write-up on basically fresh approach and new regs for 2024. It'll really get you caught up on some of the new regulations coming down the pipe. He also talks about uh, testing for World Superbike and when we're going to be able to see those riders, the old riders on new machines, which is going to be a really good an interesting winter before they go on that Christmas break. So go read that on world, worldsbk.com
1: Steve's got some great insight. Yeah. Uh, and that's he li- Yeah. He literally just texted me right now because I texted him this morning. I want to know, I want to know what the place is like that he went to and he's, he's taking off in the morning and landing teeing off at two. So you forget how easy it is to just get around Europe. Like his flight from Dublin to Spain is like me flying from here to Scottsdale, you know? Yeah. Right. And um, so yeah, so that's that's going to be his weekend, um, you know, moving forward. So um, next week we got a lot to talk about, and I'm just going to be home. I'm just going to let you know right now that I guess Halloween's next Tuesday, the thirty first. G Dub.
0: Yes, and so for next Tuesday, I have rehearsal. when you get home from Chile. Uh, I'm You're in Chile for, how for long? ten days. Ten days. Ten days. Yeah. Then I'm home for six. Then I'm back down there for another ten. And I don't get home till Thanksgiving. So. So I'll be in Chile, um, which has really good internet as a country. They're one of the tops in the world, by the way. Okay. Good. So hopefully, where I'm staying for ten days, they'll have good internet. On that day, on the 31st, Jay, I have um, I have rehearsal. So for what we're doing, because I'm commentating Pan American Games for archery, mm-hmm. so we'll have to do it. It's probably going to be Tuesday, like late afternoon or Tuesday night, that we'll get to it, unless yep. we do it on Monday.
1: do it whenever you can. Yeah. Okay. Do it whenever you can. I'm around now. I'm literally around November 6th. It's kind of nice. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Once
0: the first hits, it's like I have the, I'm working first fifth or first through the fifth basically is, is some half days, some full days, depending on the schedule and the qualifications. But, uh, I can't imagine right now we have eight hours of rehearsal time on the schedule for the 31st. Can't imagine we're going to be doing that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, we'll figure it out. And, um, yeah. um, I get is that it? Are we done?
0: Yeah, I mean it's dude, it's freaking almost November, right? There's not a ton of racing going on.
1: We can uh Can you believe we're two months from Christmas, bro? Yeah, that's right. No, I does can't. Does that even seem real? Nope. It doesn't, man. These years are flying past at the moment. Wait, does that mean we're four months from Daytona?
0: Four and a four and a half months from Daytona?
1: Are we really? October. Right. I see November, December, January. Yeah, man. That is wild. Yeah. Four and a half months away. Still don't have a world superbike schedule, do we, for next year? Kind of unusual. I don't
0: don't think so. By the way, one thing we didn't mention, I want to tip the cap to Stefano Mesa, who ended up breaking the all-time motorcycle track record at Daytona over the weekend at the race of champions. Yeah. You didn't see that? No, I didn't see it. Dude, he freaking smoked it, according to Road Racing World. Wow. Let me see. If, let me see how far how far buried it is, Jay. Because let me read it to you. It's like so. Mesa sets new motorcycle lap record at Daytona.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So the older lap record was a one forty five point nine one one. His new record is a who who did that one? Do you know who did that one? No. My guess is it's going to be during the the. I went to their Wikipedia page and I couldn't find that lap time. Okay. But my guess is that's going to be during the. AMA Superbike days, 15 of course, years or however long ago it was. Like, I would so have thought it been like the
1: Zemke Hayes something. Yeah, somewhere. They, along they, the, I remember them going like, what didn't they go like 206 mile an hour the last time they were there? I, w- I remember yeah, didn't, while, Jake, the, Jake the, did the double, I thought.
0: The front wheel did 206, the rear Screw wheel was that. going like 216. Ugh. So the new lap record from a 45.9 is now 44.0. Jesus. Yep, exactly what I said, and he did it on the on the Titler's cycle BMW superbike. Oh, he did. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. So Spot he wasn't one. on his Cowie. wasn't on the Cowie. He was on the the BMW
1: on Pirellis. So what does that tell you when you look at it, dude? What kind of times those guys would be doing now? Imagine like if Stefano had three or four bikes to draft huh. off of. 42, they'd be doing, they'd be doing 210 mile an hour. Oh my God. Dude. And it would be like, I wouldn't even want to be there watching it. I wouldn't even want to be there calling it. I'd be so scared out of my brains. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know what that place was like back in the day. It was, I just told somebody this the other day, because they asked about Daytona. And I'm like, you know, when I was a kid, Daytona had this lore about it. Like, oh, you got to race Daytona. And I could hardly wait to get there. Daytona, Daytona. And I just imagine, all the people, all the kids that are like that right now, like they can hardly wait to do the Daytona 200. I was that guy. I was like, oh my God, it's the greatest thing ever. At the end of things, when I started to wind down from Superbike, it literally the last four or five years I would go there, I just wanted to leave there in one piece. That's all I cared about. Like I Winning the Daytona 200, as important as it was to me and for all the great riders that have done it so many times, especially, I mean, I'm talking on big bikes, Superbikes at the time, Okay, because that's that was my era. It got to the point where I just wanted to be safe. I just wanted everybody to be safe. I didn't want anything catastrophic to happen on the bankings because it just got to the stage where I had a motor blow come off of the turn four banking and it blew so big. It blew out the front and it blew out the back front and rear wheel were covered in oil. And I went through the trial vault and I had the bike all the way up against the wall, just trying to stay. I didn't want to go down to the bottom. I was too scared to, because I didn't want to put oil everywhere. And I remember coming to a stop down in turn one going, I just don't even want to be here anymore. Yeah. Like I don't want to do it. So I'm glad that the 200s on 600s now, I definitely think it's a lot safer. Um, even though they're going extremely, extremely fast, but um, it's that lap time by Mesa. Wow. Take your hat off to that. That's, that's fast. Yeah. Yeah.
0: If that team sticks around, maybe he's teammates with uh, Cameron Bobie next year. Who knows?
1: It's so weird. All that situation. Hopefully we'll have some more news on, who's going where, what's going on, like Warhorse, Ray Hall, Titlers. We already know. I mean, like J.D.'s got to fit in there somewhere. Where's J.D. Beach going to be because know. he just he wins a race? To... I mean, there's so many things that are up in the air. I mean, it would be so sick if Essendon came back. Um, yes. Like they say that they might. You know, it's like it'd be great if they came back um, and dip their toe back in. Even if there's a way they could run a, just a one-rider team or put Dallas somewhere. Um, well, I know Tommy
0: told me that they're only going to come back on a on a class that they can build stuff. So it's if, if they come back, they're only going to be either in twins or they're going to be in bike. super bike. Yeah, well, then
1: that would be perfect scenario. Put JD on super bike. Put Dallas on a twins cup. You know and that that would be amazing to have them back and um i got to talk to dallas super briefly at jersey and he's just just a kid you just love man he's just a good dude so anyways everybody thanks for listening um we're rambling right now g-dub thanks have a safe flight and uh down to chile and you and i will be on the blowers i'm sure talking everybody have a great weekend enjoy racing talk soon see ya